Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of the Double Switch Podcast, brought to you by Fake Teams, right here at SB Nation, the fantasy sports arm uh, of SB Nation. Yeah, I ran right into that one. So I am by myself right now, no Joe, uh, and it's mostly my fault. The schedules of uh, me, old married guy, uh, not old, but sort of old. Just it hasn't messed up well with Joe, you know, younger college guy. So we either need to tap in with another college age schedule or uh, I need another old married guy to come on the pod with me and talk about baseball. So right now I'm going to go solo and mainly cover the news. That way when Joe's back, he and I can focus on players that we like and uh, dig a lot more, dig a lot deeper. So we're going to roll through probably the last two weeks. And by we, I mean myself. And honestly, I hope that this is helpful to somebody. I, If you don't know, I live in Western North Carolina and we're currently engaging in winter snowstorm season. But I live pretty close to work and traffic here is not insane. So I sometimes forget that people have long commutes and podcast form is actually helpful when it comes to, you know, gleaning news. So podcasts aren't overly useful to me, but I am hopeful that this is helpful to somebody else. So anyway, all that being said, we're going to go through the news and I'm probably not going to go in order, probably going to talk about some recent things and then go through the last couple of weeks. So in case you haven't noticed, the hot stove is uh, not really on fire, but it is starting to heat up, even though the winter meetings have been a little quieter than what I would have hoped for. But we do have some things to talk about. So without further ado, we're going to go back a little bit to James Paxton being traded to the New York Yankees. Uh, this is probably, oh, I don't know, maybe a good two weeks old by now give or take, and a move that I think most people saw coming. We knew the Yankees were going after left-handed starters, and sounds like after them missing out on another lefty that we'll talk about in a few minutes, that the Yankees are going to close within the next day or so with, with Jay Happ, who should also return. But the the Yanks added Paxton. Um I don't have too much to say for Paxton. I think it's a fairly lateral move, in my opinion. He's obviously leaving the Mariners and going to a much better team in the New York Yankees. Um, in short, like one of the best pitchers in baseball, the Achilles heel is that he has not been able to stay healthy 
He's not somebody that you would draft counting on 200 innings. That said, we're not really counting on anybody, not really for 200 innings anymore. Um, Paxton, the last few years, will go since 2016. He's been at 121, 136, and 160. He topped out at 160 and a third last year in 2018. Um, other, I mean, so innings are going up. Uh, also going up is the K's per nine. Um, if you took those same three years, 2016, he was at 8.7. In 17, he jumped all the way to 10.32. And then last year, he was at 11.68 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, the home runs per nine jumped up a bit last year, too. Uh, that's a little uncharacteristic, in my opinion, for a guy that had been pretty steady for the two years prior. Um, hard contact was up to about 34, but I think the difference there is that his fly ball rate jumped up by about 9%. So talking about a guy with a career 32.7 fly ball percentage, and last year he was all the way over 41%. So that's the big change I can see in Paxton's profile. Um, even though, like, if you look at Sierra, he had a much better season last year than any other year he's ever had. Um, let's check out. And home run to fly ball rate was 14.4%. So that's also inflated compared to his career numbers in the previous two seasons. So he is moving to more of a hitter's stadium, but he is a lefty. Um, that should nullify a little bit. You know, I know we like left-handed batters in Yankee Stadium with that short right field porch. So at least when he's facing a left-handed batter, he should have the advantage. Um, not really aware of any negative splits or reverse splits. Not negative splits. We're not talking running. Um, Paxton, as far as I know, doesn't have reverse splits, but we can check. Hmm. Last year, lefties did post a 377 weighted on base against Paxton. Let's scope out for his career. Huh. So, yeah, Paxton against left-handed hitters. That's actually interesting. Um, Paxton does have reverse splits. I'm happy I checked that now. So, against right-handed hitters, he's allowing a 276 Woba for his career uh, against lefties. That number jumps all the way up to 326 with a super healthy slash of 285, 349 on base, and 389 slugging. So, hmm, lefties against Paxton and Yankee Stadium. Maybe that's a little contrarian for your DFS lineup next year. So, file that away. Still not something I'd probably be chasing after a whole lot. He does have a healthy ground ball rate to lefties at 54%. So anyway, uh, Yankees get Paxton. Sounds like today the Yankees are getting closer to re-signing Hap, which would mean that rotation now looks like Severino, Paxton, and then either Tanaka or Hap with CC bringing up the rear and Sonny Gray left out in the cold, way, way, way out in the cold. Um, Yankees are doing their cost-conscious St. Louis Cardinals impression right now, which is a little annoying as a fan. I'd much rather them be shelling out the dough for Bryce Harper. Unfortunately, 
apparently that's not what we're going to get with the Yankees now, which will make them a better baseball team, odds are. So if you're a Yankees fan, I think you can probably be super happy right now. That's a that's a heck of a rotation. Probably rivaled, uh, I don't want to say only, but definitely rivaled by the Washington Nationals, who made a splash by signing another big lefty, a man by the name of Patrick Corbin. And most people are going to say that this was an overpay, uh, if not because of the money, because of the sixth year that was a part of that contract. Um, but really, I mean, this is this is the Nationals doubling down on starting pitching or uh, tripling down, if you will, since they already have Scherzer and Strasburg. Um, and they did offer him six years. I believe it was right at. 140 million but if you're i mean it's tough in my opinion to argue with their direction you're losing one of the best hitters in the game you added one of the better pitchers in the game one of the better free agents for sure um and corbin like he's not alone in arizona as far as hard contact allowed i actually did a post that went up today where i dug into the top 10 pitchers from last year, at least according to wins above replacement. Uh, Corbin was on that list. And when I was digging around, it just so happened I found that even though Arizona installed the humidor last year, um, at least four of their starters, the main ones, uh, talking Corbin and Grinky and, oh man, Zach Godley, and then Robbie Ray, who didn't qualify, but he still pitched over 120 innings. So even though Arizona installed the humidor, all four of those guys saw their hard contact rates go up. And I don't really know what that's about. I haven't had time to sprint down that rabbit hole just yet, but I'm definitely going to. I don't know if that was a, you know, by design thing, by thinking that, hey, you know, it's going to be more of a pitcher friendly park now. So we're going to kind of maybe take some chances or take some risk with uh, that. Maybe, maybe their pitchers wouldn't, wouldn't have previously, but to me that was pretty interesting, but no matter what Corbin's on the move, he's going to Washington. I do think it's going to be interesting to see how he does without the humidor and what all that hard contact is going to turn into. Uh, I still think he's very good, and as a number three, you know, in in real life or fantasy baseball life, you obviously can't argue with the results. Um, Corbin struck out over 11 batters per nine innings last year. Um, actually had, let's see, a little better luck on batted balls. He was right at league average around 302. Uh, he was he had been a little unlucky in the years prior, at least compared to last year. So anyway, uh, as a Braves fan, uh, I, I don't can't like the move by the Cardinals, but uh, as a fantasy baseball fan, I'm fine with it. He leaves a rebuilding Arizona team going to a Nationals team that, in my opinion, is going to probably be a little better. I know that might be a hot take since they're losing Harper, or at least we think they're losing Harper. But, uh, you know, we're, we're forgetting – about some of the guys that they've had that were injured in Eaton and Zimmerman. If those guys can stay healthy, 
they've added Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes at catcher, and that's far more offense than the Nationals have had at backstop in in years. And you know that none of this includes any sort of continued growth by any of their young outfielders. Um, Turner, Trey Turner, Rendon, Soto. That's obviously a very formidable uh, trio. And uh, if they get anything from Victor, then uh, Nationals are going to be looking pretty good. I think with the large group of second basemen available right now, it makes sense for the Nats to upgrade at the Keystone. Hopefully they're not planning to roll with Howie Kendrick for too much longer. No offense to Howie Kendrick. He used to be awesome, but uh, I think that ship has sailed. So I'm really quickly pulling up roster resource to see if there's anybody else. Yeah, second base is definitely a hole. Um, you know, and then behind Kendrick, you're looking at Wilmer Defoe. Yeah, so I'd love for the Nats to sign a second baseman. Uh, Jed Lowry, he looked great there. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. Anyway. So yeah, the Nats get Nats get Corbin, the Yankees snag Paxton, and it sounds like they're going to re-sign Hap. So some of the pitcher pieces are starting to fall, and I think hopefully soon we're going to start seeing a couple of trades. Um, but until some other things happen, we're not going to chat about it. Uh, Nate Eovaldi, I almost forgot, re-signing with the Boston Red Sox. Ivaldi was really interesting to me because since Craig Kimbrell is going to walk, we think, then the Red Sox need a closer, and there was at least a little bit of banter that Ivaldi might close, but he made it really uh, clear in talks that he wanted to be a starter. So we're going to have Nate Ivaldi pitching as a starter again for the Red Sox next year, which I honestly like for his value. I've seen too many moves where we think a guy going to a new team is going to be an awesome fit and they're going to take off right away. And then, you know, learning maybe a new system, new coach, new team, new town, new ballpark, um, you know, just the whole transition. Sometimes we, we have to delay what we think is going to happen for a year. So I'm personally happy that Eovaldi stays in Boston and, uh, He's going to be a great target. I think his uh, ADP is pretty non-existent right now, maybe because he was a later bloomer last year, uh, maybe with the uncertainty about where he was going to sign. But Eobody makes for a great target if you're drafting right now, in my opinion. Uh, one one under-the-radar signing was Garrett Richards, the Padres going after the uh, prototypical high spin rate guy who just can't stay healthy. So um, I at least, I can't remember who I was listening to, but somebody talked about this as a deal for, for 2020. Uh, if you've been following baseball at all, you know that the Padres farm system is uh, rapidly becoming very stacked. And if they can get Richards to a healthy point in 2019, uh, this is a team that looks and sounds primed to contend. Maybe not necessarily this year, but the Padres sound like a team that's trying to emulate what the Braves did in 2018 and what the and what the Brewers did uh, two years ago. So, sorry, my computer's being weird, make weird noises at me. So, anyway, um, Padres, Garrett Richards, uh, under the radar signing. 
the long story with Garrett Richards is obviously health. Um, if he can get healthy, he makes another another fine fine addition as starting pitcher, in my opinion. I'm not actually sure about Richards and his current health. Um, sue me. It's early. It's not even January. I'm not supposed to know everything right now. So anyway, moving on. Um, the uh, Seattle Mariners. we got to talk about the Mariners just a little bit. We talked about Paxton already. Um, we did not talk about Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, who have been shipped off to the New York Mets. And the haul for that is uh, arguably good, probably uh, not good enough in my opinion, but that's a bit of a hot take. I think most people feel like Seattle is probably going to win this trade, even though we're not going to know the answer to that for a few years. Uh, we'll see how Jared Kalenic can uh, can play the comp for the outfielder Kalenic that Seattle is uh, – receiving the the one that stood out to me was Grady Sizemore. I don't know if you guys were around maybe, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 years ago, whenever I was in college, uh, I remember Grady Sizemore was just like an auto pick for me every year. I want to say second and third round, like basically wherever Sizemore was going, it always felt like he was undervalued. So when I see that comp, it makes me do a bit of a double take. Um, I'm a little nervous about what uh, what the Mets did. At the same time, I feel like based on their payroll, that the best way that the Mets had to improve their team this year was by a trade of that nature and not as much via free agency. So, you know, in my opinion, Robinson Cano can still flat out hit. There's nothing in his profile from last year that suggests otherwise. Obviously, Diaz is one of the best closers in the game right now, and he is extremely young. So, you know that that bullpen got a little injured last year. So Diaz brings a little a little uh, certainty to the back end of that, and Cano boosts the offense a little bit. And when you add in that there are a couple of uh, on base machines that are likely going to hit in front of Cano this year. Uh, I really like the move for Cano's value because I, I think with last year's suspension, people are sleeping on Robbie Cano just a little bit, and uh, you know, batting behind Brandon Nimmo, and uh, either I assume we're going to see McNeil up in the two hole a little bit, uh, maybe maybe Rosario, maybe Conforto. Who who knows how it's all going to shake out, but. Um, Nemo and McNeil are just on-base machines, so I'm uh, I'm pretty happy about Cano in New York, at least from a at least from a fantasy baseball perspective. From a fan perspective, I don't really care, honestly. I'm a Braves fan, but our team is still better, so we're all good. We're all good there. All right, so you know who wins the trade? I don't know. If you want to sound smart at the water cooler, you can rattle off all these names. Uh, the Mariners also received Jay Bruce, Big Whoop. Uh, Anthony Swarzak, uh, I may mispronounce this name, but Gerson Bautista, who is a reliever who can, I believe, hit triple digits. Uh, don't quote me on that, but as, as far as I know with Bautista right now, he's a he's a hard-throwing hard throwing relief pitcher. And then they also added Justin Dunn, who um, plug happened to make uh, Zach's top 50 
rookies who could help you win your redraft fantasy baseball league this year. So if you want to find out more about Justin Dunn, you should go to the faketeams.com website and scroll on down. I think Dunn barely made the list, but he did creep in there and find out what Zach had to say. It's really a uh, monumental, epic effort by Zach to roll through 50 rookies that, that are likely buried in your draft applets and uh, guys you would be targeting probably mostly in the last 10 or 10 or 20 rounds of your, your 50 round draft and hold league. So it's a really deep effort. Um, I'm probably going to be referring to it uh, throughout the preseason. So uh, shout out to Zach and that massive effort. If you want to find out more about Justin Dunn or anybody else, you should go check it out. So, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about a few hitters and then we're going to call it a day. Um, but this ought to at least hopefully get some people caught up. Uh, also, on the Mariners, uh, the Mariners traded Gene Segura to the Philadelphia Phillies. And if you haven't noticed, the NL East is uh, dominating the hot stove season so far. Um, the Mariners also let go of Juan Nicasio and James Pazos. I think I said his name correctly. Um, in return, the Mariners received Carlos Santana and shortstop J.P. Crawford. So, um Honestly, if you're the Mariners, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, I get, I get the J.P. Crawford thing because he's young. Carlos Santana, there's already rumors that he's probably going to be on the move again. If he doesn't, then I guess he's a way for the Mariners' brass to say that they're not totally mailing in the season because he is at least a dependable veteran type. Uh, on the pitching side for the Phillies, I don't really have any interest in Pazos or Nicasio. Maybe Nicasio can right the ship a little bit, but I don't. I don't think he's somebody that's going to contend for saves. So unless you're in a holds league, that's not a name that is probably worth mentioning a whole lot. Uh, the real the real piece here is Segura, who should lead off for Philly. And for giggles, I'm going to pull up roster resource, and this is going to get us right into talking about another trade that happened yesterday. Um, because the Phillies, not only have they added Segura, who, oh yeah, I forgot about Cesar Hernandez, who is annually underrated for his on-base skills. Um, man, that that lineup in Philadelphia is starting to look good, at least at least one through four. It's, it's difficult to argue with one through four, if you're talking Cesar Hernandez, Segura in the two spot, Andrew McCutcheon batting third, and Reese Hoskins in the cleanup spot. So, um, you know, and then Herrera had a bit of lucky a lucky season last year, in my opinion, um, but still a quality major league bat. Uh, Michael Franco's got some pop. Nick Williams, kind of a decent, maybe slightly toolsy outfield type. Uh, yeah, I, I really like I like the Phillies lineup. Uh, and then don't forget you have Scott Kingery who signed the big contract early last year. Didn't turn into anything, but as a super sub, he should offer some uh, some solid solid time. So, so yeah, the Phillies uh, adding Segura by way of trade, and then uh, getting the free agent McCutcheon to come over. Um, really, really like what the Phillies are doing. Uh, obviously, Aaron Nola is a hoss, 
they got some decent young arms in Pavetta and Velasquez. Um, consider me like totally out on Jake Arrieta. So I wonder, I wonder if the Phillies aren't done yet. Everybody keeps talking about maybe, maybe Manny Machado in Philly. I honestly, with uh, Machado, I honestly don't know. Uh, I think, I think the Phillies would definitely do it if they could, as Franco has been a bit of a disappointment. But uh, I just I don't like to like wax poetic about where I think people are going to go until it actually happens. So uh, anyway, I'm a huge fan of Segura to Philly and also of McCutcheon, who has like nothing concerning in his batted ball profile. So McCutcheon's only 32. I know it seems like he's been around for forever he should be pushing 40 but uh dude made a ton of hard contact last year and you know nothing nothing concerning from what i can see when i'm looking at andrew mccutcheon so phillies are making moves the nl east is crushing the hot stove season and uh yeah that's that's where we're at for giggles i'm looking up uh mccutcheon's batted ball profile right now yeah, a whopping 43.4% hard contact rate last year for Andrew McCutcheon, which is the highest highest amount of hard contact he has ever made in his entire illustrious all-star career. Um, super healthy line drive rate over 23%, and uh, didn't make a lot of soft contact, only, only 13.5% last year. So love me some Andrew McCutcheon in Philly. I'm actually super bummed that the Phillies have upgraded their outfield and the Atlanta Braves have not. So that one, uh, as a, as a move by a division rival actually kind of stings twice. Not only did the Phillies get a good player, but the Braves also did not snag said good player. So bit of a double whammy there with Andrew McCutcheon going to Philly. All right, let's do, we're going to do another under the radar move. And then after that, we'll talk about Paul Goldschmidt and then we'll call it a day. So under the radar move, let's talk about Jonathan Scope going to the Minnesota Twins. I know nobody wants to hear it, given how inept he was at the end of last year in Milwaukee. However, he is still young, and I need to see exactly how old. I think he's 27, but I'm about to confirm. Jonathan Scope is 27 years old in one month. So he'll. we're talking about his age, 27 season, and uh, – he is one year removed from batting 293 with 32 home runs and 105 RBIs with the Orioles. So I'm 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 good with it. The the Twins are looks like they're having how do we say it? There is a philosophy perhaps there that I don't know if I agree with that seems pretty boom or bust. Uh, but I don't have to tie my entire fantasy baseball team to the entire Minnesota Twins infield, which has a lot of pop, but also a lot of swing and miss. If you're talking about Miguel Sano at third, CJ Cron at first base, Scope at second, that's a lot of that's a lot of pop. It's also a lot of swing and miss. But I'm I'm fine. I like Scope in Minnesota. I think that's an under the radar move that could really pay off with a guy in a new environment that has some power and. Uh, could could make himself interesting as a as a strong middle infield player next year. Not somebody that you're going to have to pay a premium to get. Definitely a name to file away when we start moving into rankings and uh, as you're drafting 
So, all right. Last but certainly not least, we have Paul Goldschmidt to the St. Louis Cardinals. And Arizona, the haul that they received, uh, they got the catcher Carson Kelly. Uh, they took a shot on right-handed Luke Weaver. And they got the middle infield prospect, Andy Young. Um, so uh, a bit of a mixed bag depending on who you talk to, I think. If I were a Diamondbacks fan, I would probably be unhappy with this. However, um, which uh, which podcast, the Fangrass podcast with uh, Paul Spore, which I do try to catch when I can, uh, they did they did make the point that if this trade had happened a year ago, people would be feeling a whole lot better about it, and mainly because Luke Weaver was getting a ton of hype last year. So obviously, Weaver's two thousand. 17 or, or 18 was uh this this most recent season for weaver was was a, a letdown but he's another guy that's young that they can take a chance on and kelly is a guy that most people project as a starter in the league for you know quite quite a long time so um those guys don't hate it i don't i don't hate it either i don't love it uh especially if i was a diamondback fan i don't i don't love the trade but you know that team seems like they're in full teardown mode. And if you got a guy that can catch in the league for a decade and your, your pitching prospect happens to not prospect, but you're taking a, taking a shot on Luke Weaver riding the ship, then I, I think there's probably worse moves that have been made. And, and you got to remember that we're only talking like the Cardinals are renting Goldschmidt right now. And, and they've had a history of signing those guys when they bring them in, but you know, We'll we'll see how it all works out in the end. For right now, I think it's a it's a really great move for Goldschmidt. Uh, I honestly really like it a lot for Matt Carpenter. I think that takes a little bit of pressure, you know, at least pressure that I perceive anyway, off of Matt Carpenter having to be the guy. And uh, I love it. I love it for uh, St. Louis. And uh, yeah, it's hard hard to argue. I think uh, the one the one point that uh, somebody brought up, I think it was also Fangraph's podcast, is that the Cardinals don't run much. Uh, I think that was Justin Mason, actually. But uh, they ran a little more after the managerial change last year. So, But even still, like Goldschmidt's kind of getting to the age where we don't really, we don't really expect him to run a whole lot. So that's not, that's not a huge concern to me. I was probably going to downgrade his stolen base uh projection anyway so i mean he's he's 31 years old right now so he's he's past that age of 30 where the stolen bases start to dwindle but as far as a a four category contributor i think you just lock goldschmidt in just like you always do and uh you know ride him all the way to the title game hopefully so uh anyway i think there's probably been a few other signings that I could mention, but I think that covers a lot of the, the quick news. I don't think anybody wants to hear about Ivan Nova going to the White Sox. Uh, if you do, I don't know. I'll, I'll say a prayer for you. But uh, Nova's a you know he's a fine I don't know SP four in real life maybe not somebody I'm worried about for fantasy baseball. Um, anyway. I think I think that's it. I think I'm not going to drag it out. I think the next time that uh, we roll up in here with episode 11, that Joe and I can be free to get away from some of the news and focus on uh, 
some hitters that we really like. That's a lot of what what a lot of what he and I have been talking about lately. So yeah, if you have questions or comments, definitely feel free to share those. If you found this podcast on iTunes, by all means, uh, tell me how boring I am and tell me to find another find another co-host that can make me a lot more interesting. And uh, yeah, find us on Twitter. Uh, find us at Fake Teams, and we'll see you guys again soon with episode 11. Take care.